Wait for it. There's no need to wait, geeks. We are back. This is the Active Geek Podcast with your hosts, Jim and Chuck. And Chuck, this is a Disney Plus episode. Um, initially, it was going to be a Morbius episode. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, I don't know when we're ever going to do Morbius because we have a lot of stuff coming out in the pipelines. If we think about it just from this upcoming Friday, we've got the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which, of course, we're going to review next week. Yes. We've got 36 hours of Stranger Things, which will eventually be the following week. Jurassic Park Dominion's coming out. Uncharted's now available on digital. So many good movies are coming out. I mean, Top Gun's out that we're not going to talk about, but there's a bunch of stuff coming out in the pipeline that Jared Leto and Morbius are slowly creeping to the back of the line. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I was thinking this is that was the first Marvel movie that I didn't see in theaters. I think since Blade Trinity. Yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't see it in theaters. I saw Blade Trinity in theaters. Maybe Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance was the last one I didn't see in theaters. So, it's been a minute since. We've skipped a Marvel movie, and here we are. Yeah. And, I mean, with all due respect, is it a movie that you were really pumped for? No. I don't think anyone really wanted a Marv or Morbius movie. You know, they got a recognizable star, uh, but the character people don't recognize. They're like, oh, it's a vampire. And, like, I don't know if Jared Leto is a bankable name anymore. Pretty much everything that he's been in is kind of been a dud that's why i said recognizable name i didn't say bankable stuff because maybe just recognizable face at this point yeah because you know what he does a lot of not artsy movies but like the house of gucci he was in uh or dallas buyers club like he does films like we talked about this before between movies and films he's an actor not an actor yeah and he, you know, this was one of the biggest commercial movies that he's done in recent time. Like, I know he was in Blade Runner. Um, Extremely you, forgettable in that movie. Yes. Uh, but, you know, he was, and he wasn't the star, you know. But he was, you know, this is a starring vehicle with him. And it was a quote-unquote, not bankable movie, but it it was a dud. It was, it was meant to be a blockbuster, but turned out to be a dud. I think it suffered from being delayed too many times. They probably should have just put it out when they initially planned for it, COVID or not. It probably would have done bloodshot numbers, which eventually is going to get a sequel, and it would have been fine. I They think they just waited, and they said, we've got a really great movie on their hands, and they didn't. And that's what Sony's MO is. That's their whole game. We're not here to talk about bad movies, surprisingly. Jared Leto could have benefited from being in this movie because we're actually going to talk about Chippendale Rescue Rangers this week. Yeah, uh, A little movie that, you know, this is going to be heavy nostalgia, I think, this episode. May not even go 30 minutes, but this is a movie that we're, I mean, at least me and everybody I've seen on the internet was extremely surprised about, about how good it was. And we're going to spoil it. I've got some Easter eggs that I'm sure most of... Um, the people caught, but I have a, a pick of the week that I'd like to share with the the v- wonderful listeners here. 
and it's only one, just one. It's my pick of the week, and it's Spider-Man 2099 Exodus. Now, yeah. first and foremost, I love 2099. I love Spider-Man 2099 in that universe. The Punisher 2099, like, that's a really cool universe that I wish would be explored more. And hopefully Marvel is going to do it because they're introducing a new character in 2099. But before we get to, you know, the synopsis of this book, we got to talk about who it's coming from. And it's coming from our boy, Steve Orlando. And he's cranking out Marvel stuff. Yeah, I mean, X-Men, now he's moving into Spider-Man. Miguel O'Hara is one of my favorites. Um, And it's got art by Dave Watcher um, with a cover art from Ryan Stegman, who's one of my favorite Marvel, if not comic artists out there. So I'm definitely picking this one up. Um, Not because it's just Steve, but guess who they're introducing to the 2099 universe? Ghost Rider. No, the Winter Soldier. I swear I thought I said Ghost Rider. Maybe I... Oh, I'm sure he's going to be in it, but the tagline is introducing the Winter Soldier of 2099. After a massive celestial body crashes into the wastelands outside of Nueva York, a new Garden of Eden erupts from the crash site, offering unimaginable power. And it's not just the Cabal who is hungry to control the Garden. Everyone's got something to gain from Paradise, including Winter Soldier 13. Salvaged from the black market as a child, the Winter Soldier, raised on a mad, raised on mad science, is bent on vengeance and rebirth. But what truly lies within the garden? Like, come on now, it's a mystery, a new character, a new new beloved character getting like a reprisal, which is pretty cool. With the uh, the Winter Soldier getting like a new kind of makeover in a distant universe, I'm here for this. Are you gonna pick it up? Yeah, probably. I don't think I'll pick it up this weekend, but I'm uh, going to tell Liv to put it on my list. Yeah, this is a, this is definitely a pickup for me just because of the above-mentioned stuff that I talked about. Not to mention, you know, I'm a sucker for Steve Orlando stuff. He's our, our boy. So it's it's good to support your friends. Uh, but that's it, man. That's my pick of the week. Go pick it up and um, enjoy it because it's going to be a gem. He usually, you know, we go back to our interviews. This guy knows so much about comics that it's disgusting that he's not as as mainstream as he should be but we're going to move into the disney verse and we're going to talk about chippendale rescue rangers um, a movie that is currently sitting at 80 percent on the tomato meter in terms of critics and 82 percent in terms of audience score and we will share our geek grader at the end of the episode but this is a movie that you know, when it was announced, I was like, whelmed, I guess. I wasn't like overwhelmed with joy. I was like, at moder- moderately whelmed. I guess that's how I would gauge it. <laughs> um, Akiva Schaefer directed it. I love him from The Lonely Island. John Mulaney, Andy Sandberg. I love their voices. I think they were perfect voice actors. And then I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, they're going the Roger Rabbit route. And you and I have talked about Roger Rabbit and how sacred that movie is. Yeah. Um, and how revolutionary that movie is. And we're going to hit spoilers. So if you haven't watched Rescue Rangers available on Disney Plus, tune out now, come back later. Um, but Roger Rabbit's one of those things that it really hasn't been re- attempted to be replicated because, you know, licensures or licenses are extremely hard to get. Um, 
having a bunch of companies play ball with you um, and potentially make fun of you is kind of tough. And I think the only the latest movie that and I mean, I might be missing out on this one, but let's Idiocracy was the last movie I can remember that kind of did this multi-brand kind of movie, right? Like, you know, Camacho, Mountain Dew, The Mayor. Like, that's like one of the only movies that I can remember that did this, but not with like the live action and the cartoon. So I thought that this was a ballsy move on Disney Plus, number one. Um, But after watching it and coming out of it, I think it was the right move, 100%. So tell me your thoughts coming out of this movie, uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Well, first going in, I was a huge Chippendale Rescue Rangers fan when I was a kid. I loved that show. Yeah, it was the jam. Um, you know, I was, what, 10, 11 years old? So, I, you know, coming home on weekdays and being on, like, that was my thing. Like, it was, I was the prime target audience. Um so I absolutely loved uh, Chippendale, and I remember the Chippendale um, video game mm-hmm. that came out. Yep, that was awesome. And a few years ago, I maybe like ten, my buddy found it, and we uh, played it. And it was still awesome. You know, we're thirty-year-old men playing Chippendale Rescue Rangers video game, and it was still great. Uh, so going into it, I was really excited. Um, seeing the trailer, I was like, "Damn!" Like, like. Like you said, Roger Rabbit. Um, you know, very aware of what it was and, you know, the, the mixed live action. And then what also they they did was CG and 2D animation, which was really cool. Um, but coming out of the movie, I was blown away. Like, I was really looking forward to this. It exceeded my expectations far and beyond. So, like, I loved it. Like... Not only that, this I thought the story was well written and it was very smart. Um, and we had some great surprise cameos. Uh, voice acting was amazing. Yep. You know, you mentioned uh, John Mulaney and Andy Samberg, but we also got uh, Eric Bana. Yeah, who was Monterey a Jack. great Monterey Jack. Yeah, I mean, he sounded like Jim Cummings and Peter Cullen. Yep. And Jim Cummings was in the movie, and I was surprised that they didn't give him Monterey Jack. But, you know, if, you know, turning a blind eye, and if I didn't go to IMDb, I would have never known that that was Eric Bana. I didn't. Like, I just thought it was the original. Likewise. And then I looked at it, and I was like, oh, it's Eric Bana. Like, I would never, ever guess that in a million years. And then you got Will Arnett playing Sweet Pete. And he also played, um,. Oh, no, and I'm sorry, that wasn't it. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key was the uh, cheesemonger. Yeah, which was fantastic. But yeah. let's talk about Sweet Pete here for a second. When they said Sweet Pete, did you think it was going to be Peter Pan, or did you think it was going to be Pete from the Goofy movie, who we eventually saw in the movie? I thought it was going to be Pete. I didn't expect Peter Pan because he is a you know legendary character for Disney. Disney OG. Yeah. And they made him a villain, which was great. You know, overweight, ponytail. Um, you know, he wasn't he, smoking, but I can see him as a smoker. He was a, a loser. Yeah. He was an absolute loser who had kind of, you know, honestly, it, I'm not going to say that this person's a loser, but like, it's like Haley Joe Osmond. You know, just like, 
what's he been up to lately? You remember him in um like in Con Man and in um The Boys where he was yeah. just like this he was a Comic-Con convention guy. Like that's all he was. He would just go up to the Comic-Cons and do autographs and stuff and he was hating it. That too sweet Pete kind of reminded me of who just decided like I'm going to bootleg movies and I'm going to have like what was it like young boy young bedroom boy who can fly like the movies were ridiculously named yeah but if you look at these overseas bootlegs like that's what they're like called like little mermaid would be like small fish person you know what i mean like wasn't like young fish girl yeah Uh and like that whole part was so well written of how like you know, he was basically a mob boss, and yep. if people owed him money, he changed their look to, you know, just a tad, like Flounder. You know, kidnapped Flounder, changed his look a little bit, and forced him into these bootlegs so the copyright, Disney couldn't get him a copyright. Yeah, he's like, like, he's taking people and putting them in snuff films. <laughs> it was, it was, listen, this is a movie that, like, you know, it looked like it was geared toward kids, but it was geared towards us. Oh, 100%. Like, there was so much stuff like, if a kid watches, they're not going to realize that Beavis is running for senator. Yeah, or, yeah, and, or like Butthead. Or was it Butthead or Beavis? It, it, it was Senator Butthead. Okay. But like, also like, just starting from the beginning, like, John Mulaney's character, um, Chip, obviously, realizing that like he's the geico lizard selling auto insurance and then he's just he's like putting his headphones and you're thinking he's probably listening to like lo-fi or like jazz because he's so like oh i'm going home to see my the love of my life and it's a dog and he takes his headphones off and he's listening to death metal and you're and i'm like i'm chip right now like that's how i feel like i'll put on hard music go home be like oh work sucked and I like that about it. And like Andy Sandberg's Dale, like just a dying property that we've talked about for years of like, is this IP worth rebootable? And where do they go? They go right to Comic Con. You know, this is the you know, the Casper Van Dians at Comic Con. This is the you know, your your um John Wesley ships. Like these are characters that like you recognize because of nostalgia. And they're doing the sightings like Tigra and, um, you know, Ugly Sonic, which was the biggest surprise in the movie oh, yeah. when, they, when Ugly yeah. Sonic popped up. I'm going to talk about it in a second, but what those guys like Tigra, Ugly Sonic, Dale, what they reminded me of, and this is personal between us, was Virgil. Yeah. Oh, my God. Who? I mean, listen, Virgil's got stage two colon cancer right now. So. Oh, no. You know, I feel bad for Virgil, but he still made me uncomfortable. Um, but, he made a lot of people uncomfortable. Like, yeah, he he was Virgil sitting alone at a table, uh, and and that's and that's the thing. Like those guys are like what that reminded me of was like the Virgils that we saw. Is like they don't have handlers; they're there by themselves. They need this money, yeah. And that's how I looked as Ugly Sonic and Tigra and Dale. You know what I mean? Like they're not these big names like blue that had handlers and stuff yep. like that um 
But like I thought, I was like as soon as I saw, it, I was like, "Oh, it's Virgil," and like I know a lot of listeners don't know what we're talking about, but like if you ever go to a con and see like, look, who do we see when we were at um, the Last Dragon? Uh, oh, Time Max just name? sitting by himself. Yeah, Time Max, and like he got that booth. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, you know who we're um, but, not going to see at cons anymore. Austin St. John, Jason the Red Ranger, because he's out oh, there extorting people. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Being a scumbag. Uh, come on, man. Guess he wasn't doing as good as he wanted to. <laughs> but going back, like, Ugly Sonic was hands down, like, one of the biggest surprises and best things about the whole movie. Like, they took something that people hated so much. And it was just, like, a stain. And thank God the Sonic movie actually, like, was good and... Re, like recovered from that um but like ugly sonic was like a stain on that on that great movie and they disney took it and was like we'll run with it and he yeah. was great and they really did run with it and i think that that was a very clever move on their part and it's crazy because sonic just came out for that like their competitors and saying like here you know take our our you know our ugly version but in terms of this whole movie in general, like from the CGI to the story to the Easter eggs to, you know, the inclusion of Kiki Lane, her character, and obviously, uh, what was his name? Uh, Colonel Putty, Sergeant Putty. Like, yeah, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, having that storyline going as well, like, was it a little predictable with Putty being on the payroll? Yeah, but I don't think they, it was supposed they to. They said that. They even said that they were like, "Oh, it was predictable." But yeah, and it was it was one of those things that like it wasn't this big who done it. It was a rescue mission, and they're the rescue rangers. I had one complaint, and I think it would have been better to have the rest of the rescue rangers in there. But understanding that you know they had you know mice mosquito hybrid babies, and they had too many of them was you know they really couldn't do anything. So. I mean, I would have liked to see them a little bit more. Um, we did get to see them at the final moment, which I thought was great. So, I mean, that's the only complaint I would have. But, like, just some of the cameos were just, like, wonderful. Like, the beginning when you get, like, Lumeri, who's like, I need this money. And Blue was also fantastic in there. But then you also get, like, towards the end when uh, Jimmy the, the Icy. I'm assuming that was the Icy Bear, right, Jimmy? coca-cola all right did he wear a sweater though he did wear a sweater okay so i was confused i was conflicted whether it was jimmy the icy bear or jimmy the coca-cola bear but either or i'll take it when he's chasing them through um they go under a booth and you see the legs and it's he-man and skeletor yeah and you're like this is a fantastic moment and i think just like you kind of hit the nail on the head where it was like this movie was such a smart, well-written meta movie that it really captured what it set out to do. And, you know, sometimes Disney can kind of overstretch. But, like, from the opening credits, I don't know if you picked up on this, but when they flashed it to Disney Castle, it began to turn into all the other Disney princess castles. I thought that that was masterful. And from going on to that... And adding in these other characters that I'll go over my list in a few minutes, but just adding them into it and peppering them in, 
peppering them into it while staying true to Chip and Dale and adding on to a whole bigger layer of like, yeah, we're getting rebooted, but we really don't like each other. Like, that's the thing. Like, we we hate each other for what the, you know, double O Dale, because Dale decided he was going to get a show, but he didn't want to do it. And he only wanted Chip to say that he needed him, but Chip never said anything. It's like, it's that hidden resentment sometimes that kind of tears friendships and partnerships apart. And that's such a big message that they saved to the end of the movie. And I thought that that was brilliant. Just like all I needed was you to tell me like everything's going to be all right or I needed you. And you never did it. And you see that like that build where they're like or Chip tells Dale like I did need you. I just was afraid to say it. And I thought that that was great. But, you know, having Monterey Jack in it, like if the movie didn't have Monterey Jack in it, I would have been disappointed if it didn't have ratchet and zipper uh, i would have been disappointed if zipper didn't have dennis hainsbert's uh voice i think i would have had you know i would have been disappointed because that was amazing um, that was great and i really like what they did with the like them not ha- speaking of voices like in the cartoon they had these high pitched voices yeah. and obviously they didn't hear and like, I was reading some of the comments, and people that didn't even see the movie was like, oh, I'm not going to see it because they don't have the high-pitched voice. It was like, no. There's reason behind it. Yeah, because they're and adults. They're adult yeah, they, chipmunks who hate their lives. And I think that, that like, it's so relatable, that movie. Like, yeah. I never thought that I would relate to chipmunks. But I was like, God, I'm both of these people right now. And it was yeah. just like, why am I you know being part of why am i feeling like i'm one of these members and like showing like the it also showed like the dark side of hollywood for actors who quote unquote peaked right when dale and chip are going to audition for the chipmunk movies like i thought that that was like a very like meta thing to do by saying like yeah we peaked at disney but after that we couldn't get any jobs so we went and we did you know, we tried to audition for the Chipmunk movie and, you know, them driving real cars was also uh, a very clever thing to do instead of just saying everything was tiny. You know what I mean? I thought yeah. that that was pretty cool. And then a little foreshadowing is like he's in his his house. He's watching Chipmunks and he was like, of course they're rapping. Chipmunks don't rap. And then they had know, to rap. They had to rap for uh, Flora Berg yep. or Borg. Yeah, Flula, he was great. Flula's fantastic. Uh, at first, I thought he was Ka, um, but then that's why I thought it was. But then he spoke, and he's DJ Herzen Ganarash. So yeah, <laughs> I saw the name. I was like, I I knew you weren't gonna be able to. So I figured I'd take that bullet for you. But I'm gonna go over some of these uh, these cameos, um, and then we'll talk about the big ones, like of the of the list of who you really enjoyed or were shocked by. So obviously, we had Flounder, like you mentioned, Lou Mary tigra there was a transformer in the audience in the beginning uh blue ugly sonic i like when they went to the other universe or not universe but like the other side of town where like they had like the sims animation and they even like mentioned like this is when like society got real creepy with the animation thought that that was cool yeah the shrek body wash um was another like that's a direct competitor to disney universal 
and they yeah. used it. And I thought that that was neat. Jim the Icy Bear, Coca-Cola Bear, whatever, Rapunzel in the sewer when they grabbed onto her hair. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was pretty good. The Paw Patrol story where they went to Nickelodeon, another Disney competitor, uh, and Paw Patrol mm-hmm. like bit off one of the officer's sack. I thought that that was a, a fun little moment. Scrooge McDuck, I knew you probably like freaked out about. Oh, um, yeah. Garfield, Senator Buttman, uh, Butthead, My Little Ponies, He-Man and Skeletor, um, all the different animation styles. You had all of Seth Rogen's cartoon characters were in it. That was um, great. That was really And good. him as that like really poor CGI troll was perfect for where who he worked for obviously he was a reboot of one of the uh dwarves from the hobbits and i thought that that was a very kind yeah. of uh meta thing this was a very meta movie uh there were so many cosplay easter eggs i know like borat was one of the cosplays um yeah i saw yeah, you that. had pete and peewee herman. herman yeah pete was doing aladdin he was on the magic carpet uh the mario bombs the gummy bears. Were you stoked when you saw them? I loved the gummy bears. Did you bears. catch that cameo? Okay. Yes. I knew you did. Vin Diesel. I didn't catch that. Yeah, there's a Vin Diesel cameo you're going to have to uh, check for. It. I think it's in the end credits. Um, Darkwing Duck. Did you see that one? Okay. Yes. Alvin and the Chipmunks. Batman versus E.T. Um, I want that movie. Amazing. I absolutely want that movie. They mentioned the Scooby-Doo gang. You obviously had Pixar cars. You had all of the Disney dogs. The cats with the buttholes were in this. Uh, from Cats. Peter Pan, right? Yeah. Uh, Peter Pan. There were some. Uh, Lego Miserable was there. The Peppa Pig rescue. Um, Looney Tunes. The fro- uh, the frozen dinner inside the uh, of Dale's cooler. Like another direct competitor. Uh, Randy Marsh. Also in that cooler was Frozone. Yeah frozen dinner and ice age exactly and like those i they're both all owned by disney now because disney owns ice age but like looney tunes is warner brother that's like the the like their direct you know competitor then you get randy marsh at the russian bath spa that was crazy is it neat is that the south park character that's stan's dad um okay i recognized him but i didn't know who stan's dad um sneezy you the reun uh the reunion with Peter and the Lost Boy I thought was great. Uh, Pickle Rick, Doc McStuffins, and probably the biggest cameo of all, Paul Rudd, who played Aunt Man. Which you had me with Paul Rudd. I was like, oh, you gotta, yeah, you're killing me with it. But man, how great was he, he in that? Just for a, like a minute, yeah. just at the booth and like you know, the real movie was supposed to be called Aunt Man, where my powers was I was able to be loved by everybody's aunts thought that was great and the movie poster at the end that was so good man um what was your favorite part about this movie i i liked everything but like i think just the writing it like if i have to say like maybe not just a scene in general but like just the writing itself like the whole movie in a whole like the writing was just so good yeah like it was I mean, it should have went theaters. Like, this is what I think it could have made a killing. Um, I'm glad it didn't go to theaters. I'm glad it didn't either because I got to see it yeah. at home. But it, uh, I just, it was just awesome. Like, between all the cameos and, you know, just everything was 
I mean, this movie was so well done. Yeah, I mean, let's give praise where credit's due, right? Dan Greger and Doug Mand wrote this. Um, they wrote the screenplay for Doolittle with Robert uh, Downey Jr., and they also did a lot of work on How I Met Your Mother. They were executive producers and writers on that. So they definitely know comedy. They definitely know how to work with a variety of different medians because obviously Doolittle, you had animals and people and so on. So they definitely did a very good job with that. Um, I think my favorite part, honestly, was Peter Pan being the villain. Um, would have really <laughs> liked to see, and like this is like this is where like I think Roger Rabbit would have been able to go back in the eighties, like Tinkerbell being addicted to like fairy dust. You know what I mean? Like, and she's just like she's yeah. like some like ex stripper that was like addicted to fairy dust. But I don't think like they're never gonna do that with Tinkerbell. Uh, I think that's personally why they didn't keep her in there because. Or they didn't put her in there because they probably would have like turned her into a very like non-marketable character. You know what I mean? Plus, she has a movie coming out, so like, there's a lot. Like, I thought it was ironic that none of the Disney princesses made it in there. You know what I mean? I thought that that would have been kind of cool. But overall, I think just like the cameos and Peter Pan being the villain were my favorite parts. Now, I have two questions. I'm not even going to ask what you would change. Uh, because it sounds like you love this movie, which, you know, I did too. Um, so my first question for you is, did this do ro- the the fear of redoing like a Roger Rabbit type movie justice? Yeah, it totally did. It They proved that it can be done in the modern age and done well. Absolutely right. So sub question to that. This isn't my second question, but this is just a little sub question. Should they make a roger rabbit sequel i love roger rabbit and i have for years um i think you don't touch it okay i think you know they've been talking about it for years robert zemeckis said he would do it if it was done right um i just think you don't touch it you know i think i'm with you that you don't touch it do i think they're gonna make another one now yes after the success of this um critically acclaimed uh you know it's certified fresh uh people are really talking about this people are saying like this is one of those like gem of a movies this year i can see whoever owns the rights to uh, roger rabbit saying like it's time and i can see robert zemeckis saying like yeah it is time Let's let's do this. Chippendale did it. I think we can do it better. So, would you watch it if it came out, or would you be like, no, I don't want it to ruin a character oh. that I love? No, definitely, I would watch it. Um, I mean, I love that he was in this. They had to put him in this. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, um, but I would definitely watch it. It's like it would really have to be well done to be considered a. Uh, a suitable sequel because that movie was such a yeah classic. and i like where you went and you picked up on where i was going not a reboot a sequel because i don't think that this was a reboot either this was a continuation this was reminding people that like listen disney cartoons in the 80s and 90s were dope as shit and you're you missed out not everything's doc mcstuff and chippendale you had magnum pi and indiana jones doing their own thing and i loved yeah. loved that they played on 
Chip's outfit being Indiana Jones as he runs through an Indiana Jones uh, exhibit at Comic-Con yeah. and uh, puts on the suit. I thought that that was fantastic. Now, my second question for you. So let's keep these three together. Dan, Doug, and Akiva, right? Let's let's thruple them for a second in terms of movies, right? And that's the creative team. There's a lot of nostalgic properties out there that are dying and have been attempted even through Disney. And I'm going to stick with Disney. Would you like those three to be in control of the Muppets? And do you think they could do it justice? I didn't think that's where you were going. Where'd you think I was going? If I could pick a property that they would do in vain of Chippendale, what would I want? What would you have wanted? Darkwing Duck. Yeah. That would have been cool. Or Gargoyles. Gargoyles would be great. I don't. I think Gargoyles should remain 100% animated. Because I think they'd be too scary. They, they could yeah, be. Yeah, I, I think 100% animated. I think Darkwing Duck would... I think Darkwing Duck could work. Darkwing Duck would be fun. Um, for sure. But do you think, like... Let's just give them a whole another IP that was... That they're still trying to reboot and, like, trying to keep relevant, right? Lego just released the minifigures. Um, they're on Holy Moly trying to, you know, revive them again. Do you think that this group could write a suitable Muppets movie? I don't even want series anymore. Like, stop with the series. Give us a Muppets special, like a Memorial Day special or something like that. But, like, would you like to see that group work with the Muppets? I think it could work. Because you know what, like, watching this, you know what it reminded me of? Something we would make. Yeah, I I mean, it... it... Something me and you that, like, you could tell these guys were fans. Yeah, if we got the Disney budget, for sure we would have made something like that. Um, I don't know if I would have went Peter Pan as the villain. Um, (laughs) No, I don't think I would have thought of that. No, I think that was a very creative move. Um, I probably would like. I'm sure there were characters that they were like, "I want to make Goofy or Goofy's kid Max be the villain," um, then, but I feel like they were like, "No, no, no, let's go with, you know, go with Peter Pan." And I thought that that was great. Um, yeah, I really, I really think that we could, we could have probably done something like this too. But that's what I mean. Like it, they wrote this because they were such a big fan. Like. It just reminded me of something that we would do yeah. and something that like – so I looked at it. It was like these guys are – like yes, obviously they're in it for a paycheck. But you could tell they were writing this because it's something that they enjoyed. Yeah, and and I'll be honest with you. The only good stuff that I've seen Akiva Schaefer direct are Lonely Island music videos and Hot Rod. I've never seen Hot you Rod. You never saw Hot Rod? No. It's a it's a Napoleon Dynamite esque type of movie, so you may not like it, but like they did all the like Akiva is a member of it's Akiva, Andy, and Jorma are that's the Lonely Island. So he directed all the music yeah. videos, right? But in terms of movies, he directed The Watch with Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller. That movie was weird. Which was I mean, it was a watchable film, right? It's watchable movie. Yeah, it wasn't awful. And then he did a movie Pop Star. Uh, never stop, never stopping. That's when Andy Samberg was a pop star, and I got like zero percent, six point seven on like... on um on IMDb. Surprisingly, and the last thing like major that he did like 
was a Netflix TV special of Michael Bolton's big sexy Valentine's Day special. <laughs> so like I remember that this was a big step up for him. And I think yeah. he crushed it. And it's kind of like when we talked about like who should take over DC and I had said the Duffer brothers. And these are these are guys that we've only have a small sample size for. I'd like to see Disney be like Akiva, I want you to work on Darkwing Duck. I want you to work on the next goofy movie. I want to I want you to work on, you know, I don't know, Adventures of Sebastian and Flounder and the Seagull. Like I want to see them do more movies like this with bankable IP. That's all. That I mean, that's where I'm at. And I don't care if John Mulaney and Andy Samberg are the voices for all the characters. Nah, they did great. Yeah, and Will Arnett's great. Like, if you look at the list, like Andy Samberg, John Mulaney, Kiki Lane, Will Arnett, Eric Banner, Flula Borg, uh, Dennis Haysburg, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, like, they're all recognizable faces, right? Tress, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, but I'm, now I'm going. Like, Tress McNeil, um, Tress McNeil, Tim Robinson, Seth Rogen, J.K. Rawlings, uh, Akiva Schaefer from Lonely Island as well. Rachel Bloom, uh, who's been in, you know, a ton of stuff. I mean, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the, the writers, you know, wrote Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, so they threw her a bone. Uh, Jim Cummings, Chris Parnell, Alan Oppenheimer, they got him to do both the voices of Skeletor and He-Man. Like, they really went out there and said, like, we're going to do what we want to do, and we're going to get who we want to get. And I, I love it. David Tennant, Paul Rudd, like, you're getting these characters and these actors to really just have fun with a movie. And that, but I think that was fantastic. So overall, man, the most important question, this is an 80, 82. So very equal in terms of ratings. Where do you geek grade this? Uh, 9.3. Wow. High, very high, higher than Dr. Strange, madness in the multiverse. You can't compare these. Exactly. I, I wasn't going to give you crap because this is a cartoon that, you know, I, I mean, live action cartoon kind of hybrid that nobody thought was going to be what it was. I was at a 9.1. So, like, I'm right there with you. And I think it's just mainly because besides all the fan service moments, this was an incredibly intelligent reminder that there are still bankable properties and you don't just have to reboot them. You can give them fresh life by staying true to it because i don't consider this a reboot no no and they call it on the poster it says it's not a reboot it's a comeback yeah uh it's like you know tom and jerry was like a reboot right they tried that yeah there you go there's another movie they tried that with tom and jerry and like i liked tom and jerry but i love this more yeah and then one of the things we didn't talk about and i know they talk about on trailer is how we got the cgi surgery yeah and like that is just such good writing. And then like I was reading, you know, Facebook comments, and I hate doing this, but, and I say it all the time. And I do it anyway. And someone was like, "Doesn't make any sense why one CG and one." And I'm like, "That makes total sense." Watch the goddamn one. movie, and then you'll understand why it makes sense. Yeah, and and that's you know he was like, "Oh, no surprise, I got the CGI surgery," and like it's that's clever. Yeah, like you know what I mean, like. It was just so clever and so well written of how how they did everything. Yeah, and the trailer I mean, did a really good job at painting it as like if you go back and watch the trailer, 
instead of Chip being in the CGI or in the, you know, the bootleg machine, they made it like they had the machine and it going off and saying, you know, procedure complete. And then Dale walking and saying, I got the CGI surgery. So it was very clever and, and very non-spoilery. Like this was a movie that really didn't yeah. spoil a lot of things. And I think that's great. There is one character that I wish showed up in this movie. I mean, it's the exact same character I wanted to show up in Doctor Strange Madness in the Multiverse, and it's Deadpool. Yeah, it could have worked. This is a very Deadpool movie. Like, he could have been the end credit scene, been like, God, you guys just sat through a hour and 38-minute movie about chipmunks? And it's like him with Alvin and chipmunks on his shoulder. I think that would have been great. That's just me, man. Uh, this was uh, a very happy surprise. Oh, I'm, definitely. You know, we went from a potentially terrible movie, Morbius, to a good movie, a banger of a movie uh, that is just a feel-good Sunday watch. So uh, 9.3 for you, 9.1. It's usually not that way. I'm usually the high scorer. But, um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Next week, we're coming back. And like I said, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the first episodes, they drop this Friday, the 27th. So make sure you watch it. And uh, for the first time, we're revealing a new segment um that uh you don't even know about chuck uh, i'm gonna talk to you about no. it um off air but we are gonna review we're gonna start a new segment in our episodes and uh i'm very excited because i think it generates or i think it will generate a ton of conversation between the two of us um so with that being said you can follow us on social media the, the active geek podcast uh follow all the shows on the network galaxy wars gym class cage IQ. Uh, follow Chuck, Chuck underscore the active geek on Instagram, AG cosplay on Instagram, show uh, AG some love. She has a ton of post uh, pictures up there from previous cons, including Fan Expo. So definitely uh, give her a follow. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. New content. But that's it for the active geek podcast. I am Jim. I am Chuck. And we are out.